Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Portions of Rigs Off the Radio are powered by GargleWithGravy.com. It's mouthwash that you can swallow because it's delicious pork gravy. It's the greatest product that doesn't exist. And three out of four dentists say that it's terrible for you. Trust the fourth dentist and go to GargleWithGravy.com. The following may contain adult content. Listener discretion is advised. What you're about to hear is the inside leftovers from Riggs's brain throughout his day. Since you probably hear everything that happens on the radio, and this is the stuff that happens off the radio. Riggs off the radio. Now here's your host. Here we go. It's episode number four. Riggs off the radio. Hi. Uh, thanks for tuning back in. This week, we'll talk to my wife. I wanted to introduce you to my wife. She's an interesting woman. She works in the record business. She started as a marine biology major. Interesting. And she'll tell you a story about how Jason Mraz gave her something that she couldn't take on an airplane. You're I like, didn't know what to do. <laughs> what do I do with that? I don't avocado? know if he knew I was getting on a plane in his defense, but I was getting on a plane. So I was like... Give you a quick update on the sober summer, and I'll run down Mental Health Monday. It's all coming up on episode four of Riggs Off the Radio. But first, a message from one of my sponsors. Hello, I'm Wellington Chester. Field Billingsworth Esquire. My years of English vacuum experience don't suck. Does your vacuum not suck enough? I can clean your hoses and have it sucking better than ever. And my repairs are guaranteed to suck all your money back. Go to my website, gargawithgravy.com and enter the promo code GULLIBLE for your 10% off purchase of $300 or more. Wellington's Vacuum Repair Emporium for when your vacuum stops sucking. I make it suck more. Before we start talking to my wife, a couple updates. People have been asking about my sober summer. I'll tell you the hardest part about not drinking over the summer is explaining to people why you're not drinking over the summer. Why? Everybody's so concerned. How are you not drinking? It's fine. I'm drinking an Arnold Palmer. Leave me alone. We can still have a conversation. You can get drunk and I can drive you home. Sober summer, still going fine. And I've got a couple people who have even joined me as well, like uh, Bad Luck Billy, one of my friends from uh, social media, listens to the show all the time. Uh, he's about it. I made it sound like a lot of people are joining my sober summer, but that's not true. Uh, starting on this coming Monday, which would be, what, the 11th? It's the uh, premiere of Mental Health Monday. Remember I talked about it. I wanted to have a segment where we talk about mental health specifically to men. I mean, mental health in general, but I want to talk to men because I feel that men need to talk about their mental health. So we'll talk to a guy named Travis Pipes on Monday. I met Travis Pipes a couple months ago at a screening for a movie called Suicide, The Ripple Effect. This was a documentary about a guy named Kevin Hines who jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and survived and now tells his story and speaks across the country, across the world, really, and uh, is a big mental health advocate. In fact, I'd love to have that guy in the show on one of our future episodes of Mental Health Monday right here with uh, Riggs off the radio. So we'll talk to Travis next week, and we'll do a regular Mental Health Monday i got a lot of great guests lined up for it, and uh, we'll break the stigma. We'll start a conversation. We'll be very blunt, very curt about mental health because that's the only way you're going to break down the barriers of mental health and get it out of the darkness 
and into the light the way it needs to be. Uh, That's coming up all uh, with Mental Health Monday, and that starts on this coming Monday, June the 11th. Just this week marks eight years since I asked my wife to be my wife, and we've been married for seven. It'll be eight at the end of the year. She works in the record business. That's kind of how we met. We'll get into that, how we met, and how she got her start in the record business. A lot of people say, how do you get your job? What do you do? Well, here's her path and how she chose to get there. Check it out. Episode four of Rigs Off the Radio. Meet my wife. Well, I wanted to I wanted to bring you on my podcast because you're my wife and I spend probably eighty to ninety percent of my time with you. True. 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 That's why we did this. Yes. Marriage thing. Yeah, that's right. So you work in the record business <laughs> yep. and you come from a very diverse background because you've got a dad that is like spoken with presidents. You've got a mom that has nine different languages that she can speak and she's traveled the world. You've traveled the world. You're an interesting person. So Ladies and gentlemen, my wife, Alana. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me on. Well, yeah, of course. Now, you're a Philly girl, Mm -hmm. self proclaimed. Mm -hmm. You're born in Philadelphia. Born at University of Pennsylvania Hospital. Mm -hmm. Her father, Henry, a professor of political science at the University of Pennsylvania, started teaching at a pretty young age. Uh, He started teaching there at age 24. Kind of genius. Remember, he sent us that big cup for his 25 year anniversary? That's right. Sometimes I'll refer to my wife as Dutchie or the Duchess. That's because she's spent some time in Holland and has Dutch in her blood. After Philly, her and her family, they moved overseas for a while. When I was five, we lived in Ljubljana, which is right there near Croatia, Italy. It's considered Eastern Europe. It's not like the Western European countries like Holland, where I also lived and everybody speaks English. So I had to learn Slovenian when I was five. You had to, I used to come home crying from school every day because I couldn't talk. It was very hard. But when you're the language, that, yeah, the language when barrier. you're that little, you kind of absorb it really quickly. So I did learn it. And every time I was sad, I remember my mom would buy me apricot ice cream cones. So yeah. I'd have a lot of apricot ice cream, which is something we don't have here, but it's awesome. They finally settled back in Philadelphia, where she went to Germantown Friends School. That's a Quaker school, a private Quaker school. It was during that time that she decided she had a love of sharks. She wanted to train sharks and become a marine biologist. Remember, her dad's a professor at the University of Pennsylvania, so she could have a full Ivy League scholarship, but she turned it down and instead attended the University of Miami. Why? I mean, other than the weather. Because that was the only university where you could do marine biology as an undergrad. If I went to Penn or any most other schools, I would have had to do four years of just plain biology major. So, yep, I could do undergrad marine biology, and my dad let me go there, and I was lucky that Penn did pay a part of that because he was there for so long. So she's studying marine biology at the University of Miami. How the hell did she get on the track to being in the music business? What happened? This is a crazy story. I know it's a crazy story. That's why I wanted to talk to you. So I took this (laughs) telecommunications class as an elective and that class, there was a producer... She liked our work. So me and my partner, Jeannie, and she had a TV show called Music Miami that she basically handed over to us to take over. It was on a local cable channel. It wasn't just a university channel. Public access Yeah, it was like in Coral Gables, Florida. Like Coral Gables could get it. So what did they show? Music? um, It was called Music Miami. Music Miami. Was it music videos? 
I have like old videos in our basement, actually, somewhere of this show. Is that what all those VHS tapes are in the basement? Yes. Using Miami? We have some VHS tapes. So I was too young. I was like 19, I think. I was too young to go to the clubs. And I did a lot of the script writing and I would arrange all the interviews and all this stuff. I developed relationships with record labels because I would call them and, you know, set up all these interviews so and stuff for the show. I wound up being able to get an internship at, at EMI Music in New York in marketing. And I basically changed my major so I could get that internship because they wouldn't pay. So you had to get college credit. So at this point, she decides she's done with the fish thing. She's going to go to the music biz. I basically realized that like this was a better way to make a living than sitting in a lab counting shrimp larvae, which is pretty much what I was doing for my marine biology uh, undergraduate work. Yeah. I realized I'm not going out on expeditions with Jacques Cousteau. I'm basically going to spend my life, you know, teaching or begging the government for grants to do research. And I was like, you know, this music business thing is kind of happening. I can get this internship. I could do that for my career and just scuba dive and be happy and have that as my hobby. So she dives into this unpaid internship, lives with her aunt in New York, picks up other side work. So she's basically working seven days a week to work for free. Eventually, EMI decides they're going to hire her full time. Right after I graduated, I got into record promotion. So at the time... I was really young and there you know there weren't a lot of girls even doing the job yeah. and now there are predominantly I feel like girl <laughs> female reps out there but record when reps. you know now as yeah. a now as a record rep you are responsible for getting music getting airplay on, getting yeah. music played on the radio it's called getting ads and I don't I, I just sounded so Wisconsin oh my god so it's called I getting ads. ads getting ads. ads you put your ads in a bag it's called getting ads <laughs> but <laughs> I didn't even know what an ad was I basically like just just learned really fast. I faked it till I made it. Like, and I, I got it down. Well, but sure. they were. I was really lucky to have a lot of really experienced older reps teach me a lot. Yeah. When I started, they a few really took me under their wing and got me going. And then I've been doing it pretty much ever since. My first label was Virgin. Virgin. I'm lucky that I was. I've worked with the same managers my whole life. Mm-hmm. Like they took me with. You know, John Bulos, he took me with him from Virgin to Warner Brothers. Sure. So you're working for Virgin that was what, like Janet Jackson mm-hmm. and Smashing Janet Jack- Pumpkins. Smashing Pumpkins. Lenny yep. Kravitz. Yes. Lenny was like my favorite. Yeah. Uh, gosh, it was really cool. Sneaker Pimps. Mm-hmm. Like all this. We had some cool, cool music on Virgin Records. So this is when grunge was kind of popular too. The rock alternative was getting kind of yes. popular. So the Pumpkins were like huge. Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah. Yep. Warner Brothers was my next label. That uh-huh. was, you know, the bigger artists there were obviously Madonna. Mm-hmm. I did not have the pleasure of working with Prince. He had gone away from Warner at that time. Uh, he was kind of doing his own thing yeah, already. You just missed him. My one artist that I regret never seeing live. Who are some of the bigger artists that you've met? Linkin Park? Linkin Park I worked with a lot. You worked yep. with Chester? Yes. You remember meeting Chester? Yes. What was he like? Is he a nice guy? Very, the whole band, they were so nice. They were very like work oriented guys. Yeah. Like they didn't mess around. Like even on South Beach, if I gave them a choice to like go to sushi or go to a club, they would choose going to sushi, which on South Beach was most like most often in a club. Yeah. Like we have a pic- 
picture in a magazine together from that. And you're next to yeah. what, Mike Shinoda and and Johan. Uh huh. Yeah, Chester didn't. He wasn't. He wasn't big on coming along for the sush. She mentioned one of her favorite parts about her job is developing artists because you get to see somebody start from a little baby band and grow into a big band. Like obviously, you know who Linkin Park is, but she knew who Linkin Park was before. Anybody knew who they were. They were very stoked the whole time on the way about what was happening with their career. Those moments are usually my favorite, like watching the smaller artists become... Like Big. 21, 21 pilots. Yes. So now yes, they're selling out two and three nights in arenas. They're selling out Madison Square Garden. Yes. And it was really funny to watch even just the venue here locally, the Rave Eagles Ballroom. Mm-hmm. They in played Milwaukee. every room here in Milwaukee. They mm-hmm. played the bar room, which was the night of 12 people. Then yeah. they moved up to the Rave room, yeah. which is one uh, 1,500 cap. Yeah. And then they... I watched them sell out the ballroom, which is 4,500. It's amazing to watch that progress. Even Panic at the Disco was like the first show I covered when I joined Lava Atlantic. They were opening for a band called Academy Is, and they were brand new. And my boss was like, you got to go check out Panic at the Disco. And now look at how huge Brendan Urie is and the evolution of that band over the years. Oh, yeah. Jason Mraz was another big one that you worked with. Wow, Jason Mraz is—he might be my favorite. One yeah. of my favorites. You said he of all remembers time. your name, like when you walk. He, he does. He, he, he's like a person from city to city. I had so many shows with him. You know that they're just an amazing group of people to work with, and they're mm-hmm. people. Like we had a lot of shows. You know, from we played in Mexico once. I went with them there. You yeah. know, so. You develop a relationship, and it's really nice. One of the frustrating things she said about her job is the misconception that it's just a big party sometimes. You get to just hang out with artists all the time. That must be so fun, yeah. Because it's not like we're just all hanging out on their buses. People don't understand that backstage and work, you know, is work. You know, some you develop the relationships with where you do hang out, but mm-hmm. not all of them. Like, when I say I've worked with all of these bands, I don't go to sushi with all of them. Linkin Park, that was unique and special yeah. in our relationship. And Jason Mraz yep. is giving you his uh, avocados from his farm. Yes, he gave us an avocado in Minneapolis. He did. And said to bring it home, and I don't think I could carry it home no, with me. Avocados he wanted to give well. me out of an avocado. <laughs> <That was laughs> You're right, I almost forgot about the avocado. The avocado. I tell that story all the time about how Jason Mraz once gave you an avocado and wanted you to travel with it, but you didn't. <laughs> you <laughs> I didn't like, know what to do. What do I do with I an avocado? I don't know if he knew I was getting on a plane in his defense, but I was getting on a plane. So as a record rep, my wife would be in charge of setting up events with people like Jason Mraz so that listeners can come out and hang out with Jason Mraz and get to know him and promote him and then they get to buy his music. It's just a big promotion and marketing thing. But she really liked working with Jason Mraz because she said he had a different approach. He didn't do like typical contest winner things, which are meet and greet or you know things at the venue he always meet would do like, is just you walk through you get a picture you get an autograph and yeah. day, blah that's you get it. to meet the artist and take do, your picture he liked to do things like the tree planting thing right he Where liked you go to and give you plant- back to communities yeah. and like he would involve contest winners and those kind of things which were amazing so he would you know find organizations in each city in his tour that would want to support 
planting trees to make the city greener and healthier and he's happier. Very, he's very sprouty, Jason Raz. He's very <laughs> he's very much about the the environment I and everything. Love I love that, that he about did him. that. He yeah. gave out water bottles at his concert. Those things matter. They do. They matter so much, and the winners get to have a really unique artist experience. Yes. So these are the types of things that you set up with your job now. These these events where Jason We've Raz has the tree. Done that. You, you yeah. do that type of thing to create the marketing and create That's the buzz around the That's what we do to create awareness yes. and support the artist on tour and support the radio stations that support the artist. My wife loves the music business, but she took a break from it twice. The first time to sell pharmaceuticals, she went back to music. The second time, she left to sell real estate, which she was really good at, by the way. But she wound up going back to the music business again. And now... I'm with a very dynamic company that I believe is the future of the business. It is... I'm so excited to be a part of it. It's called Intune Music. Yeah. So our company is basically a label for hire. So it, it caters more to the independent artist that doesn't want to sign a contract with a major label, mm-hmm. but they still want the benefits of it. So we're pretty much hired by their projects. So we will work Chance the Rapper when he wants Airplay. Okay. Because mm-hmm. these artists also have management. They're not just out there on their own with a with a computer. You right. know, they they have a team behind them. Yeah. And they choose to work with our company when they want airplay. When they decide they want radio airplay. All formats. Top forty rock alternative, pretty much everything but country. That's a separate department, but we also have that for country artists. We have an entire country division. But yeah. I don't work the country stuff. I do what's called pop promotion which is pop adult rock and alternative right and i like that i like that you have a job like this because it means that i get to keep my job because people are still coming to radio for new music people still come to radio for it's their number one it's, it's their number That's one right. place that people find new music is on the radio it is interesting that that is a well-documented fact at the same time, that's why you may get sick of some of the songs you play because the average person is still discovering it mm-hmm. when they tune in. Yeah. So you as a radio station may have to play that song a lot before yeah. it connects, like really connects with sure. the audience. And then when it really does, sometimes it's right away. Yeah. Like I'm working the big boy, which the big boy all night, that song connects right away. Yeah. Other songs take a little longer. That when then you see it show up in Shazam, it's number one. It's yeah. like boom, it just connected. Nice. And the streams and the sales and that's what we do. And I also just sent a video out of one of our artists hearing her song on the radio for the first time. Like that's a great moment. Like I work with Lindsay Sterling and we were in the car in Green Bay and I just picked her up from the airport. And she turns on the radio and there's her song. And she's just, that moment is just magical. Watching an artist hearing her song for the first time. Yeah, kind of like you mentioned earlier, how you like watching these artists grow and develop. And just watching the power of breaking that new artist. Because there has to be another Linkin Park. There has to be another. There has to be the next Mraz. There Mm -hmm. has to be the next. There always has to be the next. There's always somebody uh, in the Raptors. The next 21 pilot. So watching that is the magic of what we do. And you know you were part of that. Are you on any album liner notes? Did anybody yes. thank you in their CDs? Do you remember any of them? Well, the most recent one was 21 Pilots. They thanked you? 21 mm-hmm. Pilots On Blurry Face. Mm-hmm. That's nice. They did. You've gone from a little girl in Philadelphia to a little girl in Eastern Europe to a little girl in college wanting to be with sharks. Wanting to be with, with sharks since I was sick. That was my own passion. To hanging out with musical artists and working with radio stations. And yeah, I'm really, really lucky. Like the, I, This career was just such an accident. Yeah. I loved it so much right away. Like when my first promotion job, Virgin 
records out of college. And you loved it so much. I hate, I used to hate weekends. I loved my job so much. And like, yeah. I just, that's why like you get crazy sometimes. You're like, you're working so hard, but I'm loving it. Yeah. At the, uh, yeah, I get stressed because it is really stressful. Yeah. But I really do love it, which music. is where I belong in the music business. It's always and been I think because it was an accident and never my dream, I'm always thinking if I should be doing something else, maybe in the back of my mind. But, no. but the two times I've done it, I know every time I want to come back. So yeah. you really learn something. Your heart is with the music industry, the music business. It really is. Yeah. I mean, these people kind of like raised me, groomed me. And actually my VP that I work for now, the guy that founded Intune Music, was my one of my VPs at Warner at Virgin and Warner Brothers. So I've been with him my whole, like yeah. the only label I was not with him at was Lava Atlantic. Yeah. So. See, we, t- we took a little journey down your life. We did. I didn't think it was so interesting, but... No, you're interesting as hell, dude. And then we be, we met, should we say where we met? At a James Blunt event. Yeah, that's how we met, obviously. In Atlanta. You being in the music business and me being on the radio. I used to be a program director, so I used to make the decisions on radio stations. Yeah, I used not to in my territory, though. So right. Jen, you were always the hot chick that I could never get, and then I got you. <laughs> I don't know how it happened. I don't know either. I was very aggressive, probably. You were. I was. I was. We I went were for really it. good friends for a long time, like going through each other's relationship issues uh-huh. together. And then one night, he was just like, "You have more fun with me than any of these guys tonight. Yeah. I'm paying. This is a date." Yep. I'm like, "Oh, you no. can pay, but this is not a date." It was a date. I but then a couple smooch. weeks later, you went in for a kiss. Yep. And that was it. Yep. Yep. By the way, this is our engagement anniversary. Is this week? Did you know that? Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. June 6th. Yes, which is why I wanted to put you on the podcast this week as well. Oh, that's right. Isn't June that romantic? 6th. And you proposed to me at the same place that we had our first kiss. See? For those who want to know. I make, I make <laughs> notes about cares. things like that. If anybody's still listening, they care. That's awesome. Thank you to my wife, Alana. Thank you for coming on this week to, to, uh, to a special edition of Rigs Off the Radio with my wife. Oh, thank you. I wanted to introduce the world to you so now everybody knows. Thank you. Probably more than they need to. Thank you so much for checking out another episode of Rigs Off the Radio with my wife. Next week on the podcast, we'll be talking to a couple dads for Father's Day. Maybe even my own father, my good father. The one that, you know, raised me and made me the dude that I am today. We're also going to go to the Goodwill corporate location where they do all this e-recycling. You're not going to believe some of the stuff that gets donated and what they can do with it and how they can turn it around. And all the time when you're shopping at Goodwill, they're like, every time you shop here, you help somebody get a job. It's true. And I'll tell you all about it next week with Rigs Off the Radio. Enjoy the rest of your nights, your day, your afternoon, your weekend, your workout, your shower, your crap, whatever you're doing when you're listening. I appreciate you. I'll talk to you next time. Make good life decisions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.